Do take a seat. The reading is Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 13, and can be found on page 1141 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, uh, Rosie, very much indeed. Let's... um... Uh, Do keep your Bibles open, and we'll pray, and then we'll have a look at this together. Um, Father, we pray that you would be continuing to shape us as a community uh, of followers of Jesus. I pray that we would uh, do that well. I pray we would understand more and more uh, your love for us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, this, um, this week... Is, is really the, the second half of this uh, section, uh, Romans 14 and 15. And if you weren't here last week or you didn't hear what we, uh, we, were, we were looking at, I would encourage you to listen online. Um, Paul is building on what um, uh, he was talking about last week. I talked then about the relationships that we have together um, here as, uh, as a community of believers. Um, how we how we receive one another, how we respond to one another, and the kind of picture that uh, um, Paul is, was painting. And I called it true gospel welcome, um, and 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 talked about the relationships that we have, um, and he builds on that um, here. And we've called this series called to community because that's what our focus is. What is the kind of community that God is shaping us to be, or would want us to be? Um, this week, there is, a, there is a kind of conversation that we have in the Matoli household from time to time. Um, uh, it might be around uh, lunch or dinner. And it is, if you could have a superpower, what would that superpower be? Um, 
You know, if you could, have, you might want to fly. You might want to be able to run very fast. You might, be able to, whatever it might. Let, why don't we have? We'll have 15 seconds where you can turn to your neighbour. If you could have one superpower, what would it be, and, and why? What would you do with it? Uh, let's let's have a little bit of discussion. Let's go. 15 seconds. What would be a superpower that you would have? Okay, so if I can, I can interrupt you. You, you may have a, a, a particular superpower in mind. Maybe it is uh, being able to teleport wherever you want to go. Maybe it's uh, invisibility. Maybe you know, whatever. When, when we have this discussion at home, and um, my standard answer to this question is, if you had a superpower, what would it be? It would be the ability to enable children to go to sleep uh, whenever you wanted. Now. That is actually, I've reflected, it is quite a, a bad example of what I'm going to talk about this morning, which is that that superpower is entirely self-serving on my part. I only want that ability, that ability so that my children will sleep and I get you know, a quiet evening or whatever it might be. Um, and what Paul is talking about here, in, as he builds on what we said before last week, he's saying um, a Christian community, a Christian community that really understands what God has done for them, really understands the gospel, not only will they relate to one another in ways of, of true gospel welcome, but they will use what power they have to serve others and not themselves. They will use what power they have to serve others and not themselves. What I talked about last week, um, in, in many ways, was that understanding the gospel, in a sense, shapes your understanding of who you are, your background, your culture that you've come from, and that of others, so that you can respond to them in those ways. And what he's adding to that this week is not just how you respond to people, but what you can do for them. So verses 1 to 3, if you have a look, he introduces a new word to his discussion. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good. This word please, uh, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. See, what he's, he's, what he's adding to this is this idea that as those who are gripped by the gospel, when you really understand what the Lord has done for you, it allows you to steward the power that you have, what you've been given, if you're a position of, of strength, to serve others and not yourself. To please others and not yourself. What he's going to do, uh, we're going to spend, again, uh, most of our time in those first... Um, two or three verses, um, Paul unpacks what that looks like. What does it look like to use what power you have to serve others? Um, then we'll, the, the later verses we'll take uh, more briefly, but they, uh, having sort of shown or offered what this looks like, uh, Paul then gives us a vision of where it could take us um, if we did this. And then lastly, we'll look at what you need in order to do it. Okay? 
That's where we're going, and this is where we start. Um, Use what power you have to serve others. What does that look like? Verses 1 to 3. Well, it looks like a couple of things. One is not doing just what makes us comfortable. Not doing just what makes us comfortable. So here you have the strong. Um, Again, uh, that picture of strong and weak. We talked about those those who um, have different uh, views on matters of conscience and differences of, of view. Uh, or to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, to bear with them is uh, it's to do something hard and costly for the sake of someone else. So it's not... Do you, you ever have those moments where you think, that person's really annoying, but I guess I'd better do this for them. Um, or they really are irritating, but, you know, grudgingly, I'll do that for them. It's not that. It's not to sort of grudgingly put up with. It's to do something hard and costly for the sake of someone else. And just for a moment, that phrase, we're not to please ourselves, we're, we're not to seek what makes us comfortable. It, in lots of ways, you could say pleasing ourselves is basically the root of every human fracture you can imagine. When we go about life just wanting to please ourselves. So occasionally in our households, there are times when um, I, Daddy, starts you know, delivering a sermon to the assembled um, about how not pleasing ourselves is really not helping us in family life. Um, how you know, if, if all we do is if everyone just wants to please themselves, then we fight, and there are arguments, and life is miserable. Um, and they will listen attentively and enjoy um, being told this. But, but it, you see, it extends, to fa- it extends to wider families. If we all simply go about life trying to please ourselves, that's what creates fractures in families. Uh, you can scale that up. In workplaces where departments only work to please themselves, you can move it up to nations, where nations solely seek to please themselves, and don't look out for anyone else, human fracturing occurs. You see, the the, the roots of this, and actually Paul is calling us, calling the Christian community, not to that. What he is calling us to, uh, positively, is this phrase in verse 2. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. Now, this is the really um, curious bit of this passage. At this point, can you see he introduces something that he hasn't really done before? So far, he's been largely focused on the the Christian community and the church and the relationships we have with one another. And then he suddenly broadens this to include the word neighbours. Each of us should please, so it's not just please our fellow Christian, but please our neighbours for their good. Now, that might be um, your neighbour. I guess it reminds us of what Jesus said about loving your neighbour as yourself. Uh, that your neighbour isn't just uh, somebody you like or know, but it's uh, whomever you encounter, whether that's uh, locally in the place that you live, your neighbourhood, or um, at work, or wherever it might be. Who is your neighbour? And what he's saying here is it's the, so to build them up. It's the opposite of wanting to, to destroy and take them down. And notice it's, it's building on that sense of there may well be differences between you and your neighbour. It's as though he wants the Christian to be able to say, look, my main, my main aim here to you, my neighbor, is to see you flourish. 
My, my whole kind of posture and position towards you is I want to see you grow, I want to see you develop, I want to see you do well, I want to see you built up. I want to see you make progress in society. But even if you are different to me, even if you are my neighbour, you're not necessarily the person that I naturally agree with or naturally get on with. He's kind of building that out of where he was last week, where he was making that point within the, uh, uh, in the, the Christian community. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. I'm going to get so close to you. I want to, I want to draw alongside you. I want to know, I want to understand how you think and how you operate such that I can serve you well. Even though you, we may disagree fundamentally on lots of things. You may come from a different perspective to me. You may even come from a different faith perspective to me. But I'm going to draw alongside you and seek to build you up and work for your good. And that's the kind of, the, the, the kind of picture he's laying down here. And at that point you might say, well, this is, okay, this is all very well and good, but you've you kind of introduced this word power, Paul. You've, you said, kind of use what power you have to serve others. Um, and that's fine, but I really don't have any power. So this is great. And I'm very pleased that a couple of other folk are here because I'd really like them to listen to it. But I don't have any power, so that's fine. You may have more power than you realize. He's saying each of us should please our neighbors for their good. We should use those who are strong, bear with the failings of the weak. Um, you, may, you may have different kinds of power. Let me just introduce some, some kind of categories, if you like. And let's just think for a moment, what might it be to use that which you have strength in? Um, so here are some categories that uh, you might add to these. So uh, money um, and work, uh, relationships, uh, neighborhood, your school, um, your church, uh, the laws of our land. Let me un- kind of unpack what I'm, what I'm saying here. Um, you, may have, you may have financial power. Now, not everyone here will, but you may have. You may have financial power. And the question Paul is saying is, look, do you steward what you have for the benefit of others? Do, are you asking the question, Lord, what, you have given me a great deal, Who could I enrich? Who could I lift up with what you've given me? You may not have financial power, but you may have vocational power, if you like, work, in the work setting that you are. You may be in a position where you can uh, can work for the good of your neighbor. You may be in somebody who has a position over others. the, The question Paul is saying is, look, when you go in there, do you see who is there? And do you say, look, can, who can I develop? Who can I bring on? Who can I enable to flourish in the place that I work? Not just to make life comfortable for me, but to please others. Uh, you may have a, a kind of relational power. I guess this is what we were talking about last week particularly, that the Christian, he said, doesn't just walk into a room and look at the people and think, okay, well, they're, they're helpful to me, so I'll go and talk to them. Or I just enjoy their company, so I'll go and talk to them. But actually, if you're in a position of relational power, so to speak, you may be able to walk into a room and see the person who is lonely, the person who is more draining, and say, I can please them, I can go and serve them. In your neighborhood, now where you live, you may have made certain choices, but the Christian, it, he's saying, look, if you're a Christian with this mindset, if you see what the Lord has done for you, you're asking not just, okay, where can I live so that I can be comfortable, so that I can please myself? But as I'm living here, who is around me? 
what can I do to invest in those streets around me? What can I do to invest in the area that I'm a part of? How can I be a, a blessing to that neighborhood? Uh, if you're in school, if you're in, in college, perhaps, uh, rep, you, know, you kind of think often when we're, we're in those kind of settings, you find yourself thinking, well, again, who is it who will benefit my reputation? Uh, who will enhance me? And he says, no, rather than making things comfortable for yourself, who can you find who needs your help, who needs your encouragement? As a church, as a church leadership, do we organize ourselves so that things are nicely comfortable and we please ourselves? Or do we have the outsider in mind as we shape our services together, as we shape our church life together? And the laws that we have in our lands. Now, you may not be in a position to change those um, materially, although some of you might be, um, I don't know. Do we, do we work for those who are most marginalised, uh, who need the most help? Do we help our neighbours for their good to build them up? Let me, um, I've, I've been puzzling over this this week, this one in particular. Um, and let me sort of float a test balloon and you can chew it over and... Well, you can't chew a balloon over, can you? But um, uh, you can think on it. I've been puzzling over this week. In a, in a largely post-Christian society, do we work primarily for those things which will benefit Christians? Or do we work as Christians for those things, those laws, structures, which will benefit those who are most marginalized and most in, in difficulty, uh, most oppressed, even if we may disagree with them? You can ponder that one uh, on your Sunday afternoon. The reason I say that is partly because of where he goes in verse 3. He gives us the example and the motivation, if you like. Verse 3, he says, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. He's quoting Psalm um, 69, and he's applying it um, to Jesus. And he's using it as an example of the thing that he's describing. And he's depicting Jesus as one who receives uh, insults, who makes a sacrifice on behalf of, uh, of those that he seeks to serve. And in a nutshell, he's saying, look, when you look at Jesus, Jesus was prepared to lose in order that others might survive and be saved and flourish. Jesus was prepared to, to go to the cross and die and sacrifice himself, receive the insults of those who are insulting God, and he did it that he might serve and see flourish those who were his very enemies. It's an extraordinary thought, isn't it? That's, that's what the Lord, the, the Lord Jesus, the, 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 the greatest person in the universe, left that behind and came to die a, a, a terrible death that he might serve someone like Paul Matoli and that I might be saved and know him. And if that happens, the, you see, the, 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 what Paul is laying down here, that pattern of how we kind of uh, 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 position ourselves to our neighbors for their goods in the way that Christ did, if that happens, you may lose personally. You may lose out personally. 
That kind of sacrifice is hard. And as Christians, I guess this is what I've been reflecting on, if we do this, Christians may lose collectively. But you see the posture that Paul is urging us to. Now, given that, you may then say, well, this doesn't sound very like a very happy thing to do, so why on earth would I bother? Um, and, you know, you might be forgiven for thinking that. Um, and that's kind of just, as we unpack the last um, half of the passage um, more briefly, um, I think that's what he's trying to um, and then encourage in us. Um, so what I've said is that using what power you have to serve others, he's kind of just given a, a, a little picture of what that begins to look like. And then he gives um, a vision of where it could take us. If, as Christians, we did this, if, as Christians in society, we did this um, uh, together, um, and if you returned in 20 or 30 or 40 years, what would you see? Um, And this is the kind of vision that he paints. Now, um, just to outline the structure of this passage, there are two prayers that Paul has, which we will collect up at the end. So the first in uh, running from verse 4 through to verse 6, and then one in verse 13. So the next part of this, this kind of vision of where it can take us, comes in those verses 7 to 12. And he outlines a vision of this in this way. So verse 7, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. And then he has a series of quotations from the Old Testament beginning with, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. The vision that he has is this unfolding plan of God uh, to, to work through a people, the Jewish nation, to, to make them a witness to the, to the world, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and in so doing, and, as, as, uh, and, and fulfilled in Jesus' coming, the Gentiles, all people, all nations, are drawn into the collective praise of God. So his vision, if you like, is if, if we as a society, as, a Christian, um, as, as Christians in our society did this, it would draw people into the praise of God together. Um, I don't know if you remember the, um, uh, the 2012 uh, London Olympics and the, um, uh, the opening ceremony, um, uh, a number of uh, kind of fun parts. Um, 2012 actually feels like a long time ago, um, not just in years, but if you think for a moment in where our country has come or is now from, from when it was then, quite a lot has changed um, in that short space of time. But the reason that's quite an interesting reflection is that that moment in 2012 was something of a coming together, um, which we maybe haven't seen for quite some time. So you might remember some of the parts of the ceremony. Um, There was a little bit of sort of uh, nervous anticipation around. um, Could they really pull this off? Would it be any good or would it be awful? Um, But it was widely celebrated and commended. Um, and if you remember some of the parts of the, uh, uh, that celebrated different aspects of British culture, of our country's identity and outlook um, uh, and, uh, and view of the world and so on, it was widely praised at the time. And it was a moment of, of real coming together and celebrating that kind of unity that we had, which now feels very distant, oddly. And Paul here has that same kind of image of a, of a praise um, around the world united in glorifying the Lord Jesus. 
His um, quotations come from um, all the different parts of the scriptures that they would have had. Um, so you, you might know that they were divided um, often into groupings of the law, the prophets, and the writings. Um, and Paul takes one, or in one case two, from each of those. So um, Deuteronomy um, is quoted um, in verse 10, that's the law. Um, uh, the prophets, Isaiah um, 11, is quoted in verse 12. Um, and then there are two psalms that are quoted um, in verses 9 and 11, um, and they are the writings. Um, if you like, Paul is saying, look, all of um, the scriptures have been working to this end, that in and under Jesus Christ, everybody will gather and praise. It's a kind of you know, global version of this. And how extraordinary it would be. And you see, he's saying, if... When, when, you, when a Christian community is gripped by what the Lord has done for them, by what we've received, then this is what will start to happen. And this is where history is taking us. And so lastly and briefly, what is it you need um, to do this? How do you, using the power that you have to serve others, you need a vision of where it will take us. And you need to know what you need uh, to do it. And it comes in the two prayers that Paul prays. Um, and it is this word, hope. Um, verse 4, uh, again, Paul reflecting on the scriptures and the unfolding plan of God, that everything in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance stored in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And he prays for that uh, in verse 5 and then in verse 13. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may the God of hope, in verse 13, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you notice in verse 5, how do you get this? It comes as a gift comes as a gift. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you that attitude of mind. If, if um, what you heard earlier on was you were kind of, and if you were kind of mentally noting down, thinking, okay, Paul has given me a list of things that I'm supposed to kind of try and do and work on, this won't, it, it won't work unless you see this comes as a gift to you. It comes in Jesus Christ. He's saying, would he give you the same attitude of mind towards his towards each other that Christ Jesus had. It, it, it needs you and I to be... We have to be personally gripped by what the Lord has done for us. It won't work without it. But in, so far as you see and sense that the Lord Jesus did exactly this for us, that he used this extraordinary power that I might know him, that you might know him, when you see that, when you sense that that is what he has done for us, that what he is doing is he is gathering together a worldwide community of those who will praise him, that he is taking us to a new creation where one day that will be gloriously seen and make uh, the, the London Olympics look small. When you're, when you're personally gripped by that, when you sense that, that gift to you in Christ, then it'll overflow the hope that you have, that I have, will overflow. I don't know if you, you've got a glass, um, whatever you enjoy drinking on a, a Friday evening or Saturday evening. If you took a glass and you, you just allowed it to fill until it just 
flowed over. That's the picture that Paul has here of you and I, so moved by what the Lord has done for us, so moved by how he has stewarded his power extraordinarily graciously for us, that then we'll go out from here and it'll overflow into the workplaces, the families, colleges, neighborhoods that we have. Why don't we reflect and pray together? Father, we do just take a moment to ask ourselves that question, what what power have you given us? And where might we use it? And Father, we ask that you might uh, move us, you might encourage us in what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And it would drive us uh, back to you. We'd wonder and marvel and that the hope that it gives us would be a hope that overflows into the rest of our lives. That we pray, work in and through us. Put your finger on where we might do this this week, this month, and beyond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Using our power to serve others does not come naturally.